let's pray together as we look into God's word. You will turn in your Bible to Acts chapter 2, and we'll get there uh, just in a few moments. Father God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that it guides us and teaches us and it helps us. It gives us answers to, to questions that sometimes we don't even know we have. But your spirit is at work when we read your word and when we study it. And so, Lord, we thank you for your work here this morning. Clarify things in our minds that are a little bit cloudy. Help us to see more clearly what you're doing and how you want us to participate in your work here on earth as we see your kingdom come and your will be done in our midst. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So the title of the message this morning is, All of Them Were Filled. All of them were filled. This is uh, directly from Acts chapter 2. It's a, it's a phrase there that I want us to really focus on. So often when we study the book of Acts, especially here at the beginning, when we, we talk about Pentecost, what happened on Pentecost, the Spirit coming, we're, we're focused on God as we should be. We're focused on the power of the Spirit as we should be. But we forget that we also need to be focused on who was there and what God did for them. Because often that's our perspective. That's, that's where we are, are the participants in what God is doing. God's going to do what God's going to do. But there's something that affects us and we have a response and a responsibility to as we walk in the Spirit. So Jesus, just to get us on track here, Jesus had given his disciples a message that the world needs to know. And then that the world is waiting to hear. And that is still true today. There are those who have not heard and do not know about the Lord Jesus and what he has done. And so remember, we go back to our purpose. What are we here for? We're here to tell others. And the one message that he has is the one message that a sin-hurt world needs to hear. The world is hurt by sin. Over and over again, sin has been multiplied and, 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 and done again and again by, by those who participate willingly and those who also fall into sin. And they're hurt by that. And they need to hear this message. But the message too often is locked behind closed doors or locked behind closed lips. And the message is not getting out. So the word of the Lord this morning for you, if you are one of those people who wants to share Jesus, but is just a little too intimidated, a little too fearful. The message is, the message that we hear again and again and again in Scripture, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid to share the love of God with others. Do not be afraid. You see, what happens is fear defeats us when we should really be victorious by faith. We're falling under fear because there's so many things that we're afraid of. Each of us is an individual. Each of us is wired differently. We've had different experiences. But those experiences have have placed inside of us this little recipe for fear. One of the things that we fear is the unexpected, right? We don't like things that we don't know are going to happen. We like to know the order of things. We like to be ready. We like to be prepared We like our routines. As you see from the very beginning of this act of God, this change that's taking place in the people of God here on Pentecost, the early church had to be spontaneous. They had to react to what God was doing. They didn't control what God was doing. 
They were there being obedient. He asked them to go and wait. So they did that. They responded to his command to wait for the power from the Holy Spirit. And then the unexpected happened. If you look in Acts chapter 2, we'll read it again because this is the, the, the foundation for everything that comes after this, including our very lives. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And then what's the first word in verse 2? Suddenly, which means unexpectedly. Unexpectedly, right? Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind, so not a gentle wind, but a violent wind, came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw something unexpected, right? They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each one of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Suddenly, unexpectedly, God moved. See, we like things to be safe. We like things to be orderly. We like things to be expected so that we can be prepared. But these believers, these early believers, they didn't have that privilege. They were surprised by what God did. And they responded to it. I believe many of us are living in a rut, in a spiritual rut. Now, I've heard say that, that a rut is a grave with both ends busted out. It's, it's got no life in it. it, it it's got, it's got no, no suddenlies in it, no unexpectedlies in it. Because we're in a rut. We know exactly what's going to happen. On Monday morning, the alarm's going to go off. You're going to go to the coffee maker. You're going to make coffee. You're going to drink exactly two mugs of coffee. Then you're going to go take a shower. Then you're going to get dressed. And you're going to And it, uh, over and over and over again, we get in these patterns because we have responsibilities. We have things that we need to do. And I'm not saying you don't do those things. All I'm saying is Monday morning when you wake up, are you expecting to meet with Jesus? Are you expecting to hear God speak to you? Maybe he'll speak words of encouragement to your heart. Maybe he'll speak a word of correction. Maybe he'll speak a word of direction. Today, when you go to work, make sure you talk to Susie. Her heart is hurting, and she needs to hear the good news. Are you expecting to hear from Jesus? Because if you're not expecting it, you can miss it. It's not always a loud wind from heaven and tongues of fire. It's the still small voice of God as well within you who speaks to your thoughts and through your thoughts to direct you and to help you and to make you an effective witness in the world. See, rituals make us feel safe because we have a certain sense of control, but rituals don't bring life. The Holy Spirit of God brings life. And brings life to you as an individual and to us as the body of Christ. You know, many scriptures in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit is referred to as the breath of God. The breath of God. In John 20, verse 19, so before this happened here in the book of Acts, it says, On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews... See, they were living in this fear. They weren't out telling people that Jesus had risen from the dead. Jesus came and stood among them. They had already been told that Jesus was alive. Mary had already visited with them. They had already seen the empty tomb. But they were still living in fear. Jesus came now and stood among them. And he said what he needed to say when we were at fear. 
When we're feel, feeling anxiety, when we're feeling fear, we need to hear the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Jesus say, peace be with you. Peace. In other words, relax. I got this. God's got this. Do you know that? Whatever your situation is, whatever the thing that causes fear in you, whatever you're expecting, you know, bad news or whatever, God's got this. He's got you. He cares for you. He loves you. He loves you so much he sent his son for you. But then he doesn't just pour into you and pour into you and pour into you and pour into you for no reason. Look what the verse says further on. As the Father has sent me, Jesus is speaking, I'm now sending you. As the Father has sent me, I'm now sending you. In other words, it's your turn. I've come and I've shown you, I've taught you, I've done miracles, I've shown you what the Father is truly like, I've shown you how the Old Testament has always been a preparation for all of this and everything that God is going to do, and now it's your turn. It's your turn. I want to hear you say, it's our turn. It's our turn. It's our turn to bring the love of God into people's lives. It's our turn to bring a word of healing over someone. It's our, it's our turn. Do you know that, church? This is what we're trying to get. This is why the Holy Spirit does not let me move past Acts chapter 2. Every time I'm ready to move on to the next passage, he says, not yet. Not yet. They don't get it yet. They, they, they're getting it. More and more are getting it. They're starting to understand, but they don't get it yet. Until you get that it's your turn. It's our turn to go in the name of Jesus out to the nations of the world and to tell them of his love and to tell them of his, of, of his sacrifice for them and of the forgiveness of sin that, that his son has died to give us. Until that happens in us, I guess we're staying here. We're going to wait Like the early disciples waited until the power comes, until the Holy Spirit comes on us. And we move out in confidence, praising God and thanking him for all that he is doing. You see, after he said this, after he said peace, be at peace. Peace is a a great word. You should study it in scripture. Jesus brought peace between us and God because our sin separated us from God. We were God's enemies, Scripture says. So there needed to be a peace treaty. And Jesus came and brought the peace treaty. So now guess what? No more war between you and God. You're good with him. And he's good with you. He's got this. He's got the ability to forgive all your sins. He's got the ability to make you a new creature in Christ. He's got the ability to to change your trajectory in life. You were headed this direction. He's going to head you over here. He's got the ability to pour out blessing upon blessing and then through you to bless others. He's got this. Peace. Chill. You're okay with God. Now, he's sending you. Just like he sent his son. He's sending you with that kind of loving message, that kind of like healing message into the world. He's sending us. So after he says this, he breathed on them. And said, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. When someone says that, 
when the Son of God himself says that, what is your response? No thanks? All set? Or bring it on. Bring it on. I need your spirit. I need your power. I need your wisdom. I need your wholeness. I need everything that Jesus died to give me. I need. I want to receive that. So when you wake up on Monday morning, wake up with open arms. Father, give me what I need today, my daily bread, your spirit to fill me and use me and continue to cleanse me and change me and make me more like Jesus. The only power that can ever break our fear and get us out from inside of ourselves, out from behind our closed doors, out from those closed lips, and release us into the world, the only power able to do that is the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to be convinced of that. Because sometimes I think we think, oh, if I just study the Bible more, oh, if I just read my Bible more, if I just memorize more verses, or if I just go to church more, or if I just give more in the offering, or if I just do certain things, we're not doing any of that. It's a receive, receive, don't work for it. Don't strive for it. Trust that he is giving it to you because of his grace and his mercy. You don't need to earn it, just like you don't earn your salvation. You don't earn the power of the Holy Spirit. It was poured out on them, all of them. It was only the Holy Spirit who got them out into the world. They were in that upper room, they were waiting. They were praying. They were doing some church business. They were replacing Judas. They were finding another man who had a similar uh, walk with Jesus who they could bring on as one of the disciples to replace the 12, to make it a 12, and even dozen. They were doing some things, but they were waiting, and they were praying, and they were all together. And I said this a couple weeks ago, but we need to hear it. They had been with Jesus. They had heard all his sermons. They had watched him heal and restore and bring life to those who were dead. And yet they still were behind closed doors. They still were feared, fearing repercussions for this message. His assurance to them, his sending them out to to be to make disciples of all nations was not enough. They needed the Holy Spirit. It wasn't until Pentecost that the whole thing that was on the outside of them and around them and in their minds actually connected. That's when the power actually happened. That's when they were actually plugged into the source. Because before that, everything was objective. Everything was something that they had heard or observed with their eyes and ears. It was on the outside of them. It wasn't internal until the Spirit of God came and made them temples, places where he resided. It was not in them. It was around them. It was something they heard. It was something they saw. But it wasn't in them until Pentecost. The Holy Spirit 
the way that the Holy Spirit now is given to people because of the cross. It's because the blood has washed us and made us a holy presence for God. I know you don't feel holy and sometimes you don't act holy and think holy and talk holy, but you're holy if you're in the blood of Jesus. He has cleansed you and because he's cleansed you, he can come and live within you. Prior to that, all throughout the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was put on someone, like a cloak. The Holy Spirit was on the prophet Elijah. The Holy Spirit was on King David. The Holy Spirit was on and around Samson, crazy Samson. But the Holy Spirit was on him to empower him to fight those battles. On and also not permanent. Do you remember in Psalm 94 when King David says, Lord, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. That was a real thing. Because the Holy Spirit was given for a purpose and a time and to empower a king or a prophet or a priest to do something. And then the Holy Spirit was taken when that person sinned because God and sin can't reside in the same room. But now that you're a child of God and you've been washed and cleansed and you're continually washed and cleansed by the presence of Jesus at the, at the right hand of the Father who's interceding for you, who's saying, Father, forgive them. Keep forgiving them. I'm working on her. She's getting it. She's a little slow, but she's getting it. Don't worry, Father. I see her completed in Christ. I see her free from this. I see her walking in victory. Don't worry. She's got this. I got her. I'm not going to give up on her. I'm not going to give up on him. He's going to get this one way or the other. He's going to change. I'm changing him because it's me changing him, not him changing him. As the Father hears the prayers of Jesus, because Jesus intercedes for us. I don't know if he sounds like that, but that's the best I can do. But he's interceding for you. He's on your team. He's like, rah, rah, go, go, Sharon. Go, Gene, go, John. You can do it. Keep, keep at it. The Father loves you. The Father's love is cleansing you and changing you and making you a new creature. You're in process. So, so sometimes you get frustrated, but don't. He who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. That song, he won't, he won't fail, he won't. This is the truth. That's why we love to say that. It rises up in our spirit because he won't fail. He won't fail in what he has begun in you. Only the Holy Spirit is able to take us in our present form and combine us with God. Somehow, through the, the, the amazing miracle of the redemption of our sins and the cleansing, the Spirit can come and live within us. And now everything that we've heard, everything that we've been taught, everything that we've seen in other people can now be lived into. Both the outside, the things that we read from God's Word, and the inside can match. They can match because you've been made new. So your new life matches what God is doing because he is life. And we need to walk in that and accept that and receive that and keep telling ourselves that because sometimes what we see doesn't necessarily match what God is doing because he works in the invisible. You see, at Pentecost, what they had heard and what they had seen Jesus do is what they became together as the spirit came to them. 
and made them one. It was now within them for the first time. This is a major change. It had always been on the people of God, on the priest, on the prophet, on the king. Now it was in all of them. And this is what I want you to get here this morning. Read that passage again. In Acts chapter 2. Verse 3. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on a great leader, a powerful worship singer, an elder, a kind woman. What does it say? The Spirit came to rest on each one of them. Every one of them. Didn't skip somebody. Somebody who was having a bad thought that moment. Somebody who was still mad at their mother. No. Came on each one of them. It was on all of them. It was in all of them. It wasn't just for exceptional people or super spiritual people or people that knew a lot of the Bible verses or or people that knew how to sing really well. That's not where the anointing was. The anointing was on all of them. We have created an environment that we think it's for those special people. The pastor, the bishop, the prophet, the singer. The, but, but the rest of us, we just better sit over here in our pew and kind of watch. Kind of watch. That's not what happened. That was Old Testament, Old Covenant, before the cross, before the resurrection. Yep. You would go to the temple and you'd watch. And the priests would do what you needed to be doing, but they'd do it for you. Now Christ has completed that work and has finished it for you. It's done deal. It's finished. It was for each one of them. You know, it's, it's, so, it's so ridiculous. I'm going to ask my uh, elders to help out here in a minute. This is how ridiculous it is. So here I am, and I'm going to eat this Donut hole. Mmm. 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 Can you taste it, Laura? Can you taste it? No. Mmm. John, can you smell this donut hole? Mmm. Wow. Do you know what flavor it is, Jean? No, no, I don't know flavor. This is strange because I'm experiencing it. I'm having a wonderful time with it. Mmm. Donald, what flavor is that jelly? Mmm. Guys, let's pass them out. So listen, you don't have to eat one if you're on a diet. I don't care. The point is, I want everyone to get a donut hole. Because this is the change you need to realize. Donut holes aren't just for pastors. <laughs> all that deliciousness, all that jelly, all that flavor, all that bursting of flavor in my flavor buds is for you too. 
is for each one of you. What has happened in our weirdo brains is that we think that God works through special people. He speaks to the pastor or he speaks to uh, the, the, the elders. Or he, That is Old Testament thinking. And we've got to move from the Old Testament into the New Testament. If we're going to live according to the abundant life that Jesus died to give us, we have to move. Donald, how does it taste? Good. Ooh, taste and see that the Lord is good. What flavor is it? Jelly. What flavor is the jelly? Raspberry, my favorite. It is raspberry. Mm. Describe what you're eating. Describe it. Yeah. Mm. Any words? Cakey. Coconut. Ooh, coconutty. Yeah. This is the New Testament church. Each one has the Holy Spirit within them to experience personally so you don't have to live through my experience. Now, yes, I come and I try to teach you some things. I try to preach a sermon. God has given me that responsibility, those gifts. But each one of you has to eat your own participation in the gospel, in the message of Pentecost. The Old Testament donut holes were just for the priests. They were just for the king or for the prophet. And he would tell you what the donut hole was like. Mmm, tasty, sticky, you know, messy. <laughs> now, everything has changed. But we're not necessarily convinced. We're still listening to pastors or worship leaders and saying, wow, you know, they're, they're, they're anointed. You know, that, that phrase anointed is actually true. I am anointed by the Holy Spirit, but so are you. And you, and you, and you, and you, and you. You also are anointed. The Holy Spirit came on all of them. All of them. Who's all of them? Well, it says earlier in chapter, in chapter 1, it says that they were made up of 120 people. Because we are thinking this is just for the apostles. Oh, those blessed apostles. Apostles get the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Apostles have a special place. Listen, they had a responsibility, a different responsibility, but the same Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit. If you're discounting yourself like, oh, I'm, I'm not a good enough Christian. The Holy Spirit's not going to use me. Baloney! That's not true, but you're falling for it. It's a little bit of a lie, and we know where lies come from. Yeah, a little bit of a lie that you're not good enough, you're not holy enough. These 120 was everybody in the room. Like I said, some guy could still be mad at his mother-in-law. He still got the Holy Spirit because it's not about you. 
It's about God and his generosity and his love and his purpose for the world. He needs you to believe, because it's true, that the same Holy Spirit lives in him as anointed Jesus to do his ministry. The same Holy Spirit that came on Jesus at his baptism and anointed him for ministry is the same Spirit on you, Paul. In, in you, Cindy. And in you, Gary. And in you, Steve. We have to receive that message, which means believe it and take it in. Just like you ate that donut hole. Take it right in. Take it right in. Because if you don't believe that, you won't act as though that's true. You know, it bugs me. But sometimes people say to me, oh, pastor, my friend, my friend needs to know Jesus so badly. They're a horrible person. They gossip and they lie and they do awful things. They need to talk to you. (laughs) Baloney. They're your friend. They know you and trust you. They see you every day or every day at work or whatever. You're the witness in their life. I'm not. I'm not their witness. I don't even know their name. I don't know what they're like. I don't, you know, you've just told me some things, but you are anointed for ministry in this world, and you need to begin to act in that boldness and in that confidence and walk into those situations and into those conversations knowing that it's not you, it's the Holy Spirit in you. When the day of Pentecost came, they all together received the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Each one of them, it says, were filled with the Spirit. And there were 120 of them. And here's the thing. If you look at chapter 1, verse 13, it says, um, yes, the 11 remaining disciples were there. So that's 11 men. But then verse 14 says that they also had with them the women and even Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with her, his brothers. So amazingly, the Holy Spirit's not just for men. Aren't you women happy? It was a patriarchal society. I mean, for sure, especially in that day and age, there was no equal rights or anything like that taking place. But in God's in God's kingdom is complete equal rights. Both genders, men and women, are filled with the Spirit and anointed with the same Holy Spirit to do the work of Jesus in the world today. So we're going to end by looking at Joel chapter 2. In Joel 2, what happens here in Acts 2 is a fulfillment of Joel 2. Joel is an Old Testament prophet. The Holy Spirit was on him to write these words. And when this happened, the Holy Spirit was then with this group of people, this 120 here in the book of Acts. And Peter, one of the disciples, has to explain what's going on. And he immediately goes to God's word and he says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on, let's say it together, all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both and women, 
I will pour out my spirit in those days. This is the fulfillment. This is part of Peter's message to the crowd. He says, this is now fulfilled in front of you today. This is huge. This is changing all of history. It was never like this before. But since Pentecost, it has always been like this. But some people have yet to receive this truth and believe it enough to start walking in it. Start walking as though this is true because it is. It is true. You are forgiven. You are a child of God. You are filled with the Holy Spirit of God. You are called into the world to be salt and light, which means you're to, you're to bring the wisdom of God and the, the truth of God into the world because it's broken, it's hurting, it's lost, it's dark out there. And every single one of you is empowered by God to bring light, to bring wholeness, to bring healing, to bring goodness in an evil world, in an evil generation. You are the good because God has made you good. Not because your behavior is always good, but God has cleansed you. He's restored you. He's filled you. And until you get that in your soul, in your mind, in your heart, you're not going to act that way. You're going to act timid. You're going to lock the doors. You're going to keep your mouth shut because you're afraid. And Lord knows we cannot be afraid anymore. We cannot live in fear. We've got to let the world know of God's love. This is why he has given us his Holy Spirit. This is his plan from the beginning of time, but now is the time for you and for me to live it out, to believe it, to receive it, to let the breath of God, the Spirit of God, fill our lungs so that we can declare the wonders of God in the world around us. Amen? Let's pray. God, we don't do this on our own. All we do is bring ourselves to you as empty vessels and ask you to fill us up. Every day, fill us up. Fill us up with your word, with your spirit, with your power, with your love, with your wisdom, with your discernment. God, fill us up with your spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.